0: The ATX, it's the box to box radio podcast. I'm your host, Mason Carmichael, chilling out on this Sunday evening. We got a couple nice glasses of whiskey in front of us. We're chilling in Round Rock with me tonight. We got producer Chris on the mic, which has become a box to box radio custom now because Chris, at the beginning of the uh, experiment here, said that he did not want to be on the microphone at all. And look, now he's a seasoned professional. And to my right, the prodigal son has returned. We've get we've gotten him a robe and a ring. We've slaughtered the fatten calf. Travis Carmichael is Heresy. home. <laughs> the prodigal son, you were gone, you were lost, and now you were found. So I'm back. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> I'm not Eminem. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, but yeah. Sorry. Welcome back Thanks. to yeah, nuts, Slim. Hey, Travis. <laughs> oh my gosh! But that was shady. <laughs> Alright, glass house. Oh man, look at oh that! I like god. you better off the mic, producer Chris.
1: <laughs> Already some fire. Hey,
2: make a take once in a while, huh? That uh, are, are
0: you sore from sitting on that fence? I oh am. my god! No, actually,
1: whoa, whoa, tune in.
0: Yeah, hey Travis, I don't know if you know, but we do a podcast on. Uh, yeah, I, I've noticed on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you ever want to, you know, stop in, you deadbeat dad. <laughs> How long was the line to get milk? Wow, that's uh, offensive to a lot of our viewers. Yeah, but it's an analogy. Was it's it worth the really. bit? Yeah, it, was, yeah, it was worth the bit. Okay. If you're offended that, usually like, this probably in the show for you. But yeah, glad to be back here Sunday evening, Travis. Welcome back. Am <laughs> I welcome back? Yeah. I mean, Dirt couldn't be here, so we needed a third. Oh, okay. So and Darth couldn't be here. Although, gosh, what what a filler Darth was.
2: I mean, Darth is better than you at this. Yeah, point. we rolled
0: out the whistle about five seconds in when was, Darth was here. Yeah, so that was atrocious. It was amazing, but guys. For those of you guys listening at home, we're glad that you found us. we got a lot of other cool things you can check us out on, too. If you hit up our website, BoxToBoxRadio.com, you can find all of our social media handles there. We post a lot of cool things. We give a lot of shout-outs. And, of course, we'll give you a shout-out if you send us an email, too. Our email address is 90min at BoxToBoxRadio.com. We did that big mailbag last week. So remember, for our listeners, if you were featured on the mailbag, you have to email in. At 90 dot com with your shirt size for us to send out those box box radio t shirts.
1: Yeah, shout out to Elijah Timms.
0: Yeah, Elijah <laughs> Timms emailed right away. Like I, I think it was uh, the episode it released
1: a- at four. He emailed what
0: like four fifteen and was like size large. Yeah, pretty much. See, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy he gets a shirt because Bayern Munich aren't going to get a title. <gasps> oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. He Sorry. also he's, he was also upset at West Ham for tying Brighton today. Oh, he's but, a
2: West Ham fan. Yeah. Hey. Welcome to the culture. Forever blowing bubbles, like their dreams, they fade and die. Oh my
0: gosh! <laughs>
2: That's the song. That's how it
0: goes. Sure is. Shout All out right. to Ryan Dandan, Dan, West Ham fan forever. Yeah. What What's the problem with with people like in London clubs that are underachievers? Okay. I'm looking at you both.
2: All right. Liverpool wins one trophy. Let's move on. I'm sorry. no no. Nope, nope. We have move six on. more of that trophy nope. than you do.
0: Move on. Move on. Anyway, guys, happy to be here on a Sunday night. Happy to be with you, gents. Um, I just want to know, is the feeling mutual? I mean, I tolerate you. I love producer Chris. He makes life worthwhile, so. Yeah, why not? Even though he called you fat like five minutes ago? Hey, to each their own. Yeah. yeah. Some call me fat. Others call me more, more of me to love. So. He's got the hardest working t-shirt in show business, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, because so. it's the
2: same
1: t-shirt <laughs> all
2: the time. That's right. That's right. Is, yeah. that, is that black or is that blue?
1: This is blue. Oh, Just like he admits me. it. Yeah. Oh. Just like me. Why are you
2: blue, Producer Chris? Uh, I wonder. We're, get, we're getting
1: into that too. Insert transition? <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyways, I'm feeling good. All right, go ahead now. <laughs> Thank you for trying to steal my transitions from me. It was a day.
0: funny joke. <laughs> yeah. So as you guys
1: know, if you're all over social media or whatever, Hot Girl Summer
0: is coming to an end. That means Premier League fall is beginning. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Travis is perplexed because he's not on Twitter. Um, Anyway, so we're going to kind of do a Premier League run-through here with a couple games I wanted to highlight. So, uh, just starting off real quick. Arsenal continue their winning ways to start the season. A 2-1 win at home. We're going to win the
2: league! We're going to win the league, mate!
0: And then the team that probably is going to win the league. Liverpool get a 2-1 away win at Southampton. Uh, We've got Mane Mane. Do-do-do-do-do-do with a brace in this one. Great game from the Reds. Um, Sporting their new third kicks, which... I do have mixed feelings about. Really, why? Yeah, because it, it's got a little city blue in there. No, it's, not, it's like a teal color. Yeah, it's almost like the Arsenal jersey it's like you're a wearing. Cityish blue? No, it's not. I, uh, I I work at a soccer store and I see okay. the jersey in person. It's kind of a teal color. Uh, uh, w- it's w- kind w- of like reflective. Yeah, but when did Liverpool become all black? That's an interesting choice for a third kit. Yeah, I don't. I, I miss I don't the highlighter know. orange. Yeah, I like. I have that jersey. It I nice like jersey. the highlighter it was or orange. It was good. I even liked the jerseys last year. The purple wasn't my favorite, but it grew on me as the. Uh, as the season wore on. So, yeah, 2-1 win there for Liverpool. Brighton. I want you guys to guess what place they are in the Premier League right now.
2: Um, We're two
0: games in, but it's fun to dream, right? So, I'm
2: going to guess. Well, what was the score of this one? 1-1 against West Ham. They got a draw. Okay, so they have four points. So, that means they can't be in the top three. So, I'm going to put them fourth.
0: Okay. Chris, you got it. you can't look it up.
2: Oh, I already did.
0: Okay, then you My don't bad. get the answer. I don't get the Travis, answer. Travis, you're right. They're fourth place hey, in the right now. Uh, Behind Liverpool is one, Arsenal two. Get in there. We're going to win the league. City three on four <laughs> points. We're going to win the league, uh, Brighton is in four on four points. So, interesting game there. Elijah Tim, speaking to him, he wanted me to relate to you all that he is very upset that West Ham is having a bad start.
2: Yeah, it's West Ham. What did you expect, Elijah? I feel like you should have known what you're getting into. You have Chicharito coming off the bench. I think he'll be fine. Yeah,
0: he started and scored. He did Their score. only goal. Yeah, okay. So
2: Future Austin FC guy, maybe.
0: Yeah, one can dream. Everton 1-0 over Watford. So, Everton's looking like they're starting off a little stronger this season. <gasps> Poor Watford. Yeah, Watford kind of sucks. But Danny Wilbur. No. Norwich 3-1 over Newcastle in the Who Gives a Care Bowl. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You cannot say the Who Gives a Care Bowl when Pookie gets a hat trick. Okay, you're right. Yeah, Timu Puki. We all had a question against Liverpool last week. Is he going to be <laughs> he's able the, to translate it into the Premier League? And it looks like he is. He's a Golden Boot winner right now. Well, <laughs> the end of the oh day. my god, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, exactly. On. I was it's four say. goals well, in Arsenal, Arsenal. Hold on, Arsenal make the Champions League. At the it ended today. Hold on, that's so Puk- not going to happen. Either. I'll take it.
1: Puki had the only uh, only hat trick this weekend. Yeah, and he had the only goal it, against we're talk- Liverpool. And, too. and I'm talking about all all leagues. I I looked it up. None of the other Dang. leagues had a hat trick. Yeah, that's right. Chris putting in the work. That's right. Nobody yeah. else did.
0: Just spooky. The Flying Finn with, with three goals this week. <laughs> That's right. How
2: old is he, by the way? 29.
0: Okay, he looks like 40.
2: <laughs> but know. he can score goals. He I looks mean. like
0: Stephen Naismith a little, a, little a little bit. A little bit. A little bit better. So, of course, the villains fall again to Bournemouth 2-1. They've got a habit of dropping games this year already. The new Fulham. I'm going to skip the next game because I really want to talk about it. Sheffield United 1-0 over Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace with the... Or, excuse me, Sheffield with the sweet dig on Twitter. So... It took about an hour after the final for Crystal Palace to post the final result of the game, which, of course, was a 1-0 loss. And Sheffield United quoted the tweet and said, glad you guys finally got some Wi-Fi. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's So, savagery from Sheffield United, which, by the way... They've got one win, one draw so far in the Premier League. So, they're looking good. Their manager has done wonders. And, of course, we have Wolves versus Manchester United tomorrow, which should be a pretty good game. Uh, So, there's two games I wanted to talk about with you guys from the Premier League this weekend. One of them was a Saturday game, which, unfortunately, I did not get the privilege to watch because I was doing a little bit of training for my full-time job. So, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought. So, Manchester City 2, Tottenham Hotspur... Too. Shout out to Brian Bruce, who was texting me like a madman during this game. Of course, that's my girlfriend, Hannah's dad, who is a the most uh, glass half-empty uh, Tottenham fan you've ever met in your entire life. He's very, very realistic, not optimistic. He's he's very uh, prove-me-right-instead-of-prove-me-wrong kind of guy. So he was really, really excited about this result, and he thought that Tottenham got pretty lucky.
1: Yeah, he he had a dig at me during the uh, Champions League final <laughs> For anybody, uh, if he if he's listening, I asked him if he wanted to join, you know, the ranks of a Chelsea fan, and he said, "No, I already have a losing team." So, oh. yeah, <laughs> love it. I love that man. Yeah, that that was pretty good. So. took a dig, dig at me immediately. Scum. Yeah, Yikes.
0: this is why we're this is why him and I get along pretty well. So that's 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 one of our reasons why, because we both recognize poor teams when we see them. Oh, nice. Um,
2: yeah, no. So so I I watched most of this game. It's interesting. So City City was I mean City dominated, obviously gave up two soft goals anytime Lucas Moore comes on and 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 scored the equalizer. He literally got subbed on for the corner kick, ran into the 18, jumped and headed and scored the goal. And he's what? Maybe 5'10 on a yeah. good day, yeah, not that even dude, that tall. That, like it's like 5'7. That, five dude is, seven. that yeah. dude's
1: kryptonite to that team.
2: You got to Yeah,
1: that dude. <laughs> you, I mean, he's <laughs> you you've got to find a way to to
2: city to close out games. I thought Kevin De Bruyne was very good. Um yeah, his yeah. passing on the ball was excellent. The the interesting moment of this one there are two big moments. Number 1 was um about the 70th minute mark, Aguero gets subbed out for for Jesus and Aguero just absolutely loses it and him and Guardiola go at it. Um screaming on the sideline. We got a home for you, Sergio. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, screaming on the sideline. Obviously, Aguero is not happy he got subbed off. Guardiola immediately trying to tell him, you know, the what for, what you know, what he did wrong, and everything. Aguero not having it. Some covering of the mouth, yelling, so we couldn't see what they were saying going on. And then Guardiola looks like a genius. Gabriel Jesus scores 93rd minute, wins the game. Him and Aguero hugging each other, chatting it out. Life is great. And then wop wop wop. V, so a. I got a
0: question for you, Travis. R. Where have I seen this before? The Champions League. was <laughs> <That laughs> yeah, the thanks. second time. Sorry, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, against Tottenham, and it was two-two in that game as well. Uh, Pochettino also
2: came out and said, um, "I love VAR. Can we sign VAR?" <laughs> 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 Be more signings
0: than he made all of last season. So, ooh, yikes.
2: So my question for you guys is to kind of hijack the show since Mason didn't watch the game. Penalty? No penalty. Correct decision, or I'm sorry, so, a, a so VAR they, correct decision to, to to chop
1: the goal out. So so everybody talked about this after. I mean, uh-huh. clearly this was the biggest talking point because it was pretty much taking away the winning goal. Yeah, he won the game in the he, 93rd he, he, exactly. minute and it got chopped off. They it, did,
2: did, disallowed it. Exactly. It hit it. Hit uh, Laporte's hand.
1: Exactly. But here's the Arm, thing: is whatever. that. The rule the new ruling is even with the VAR is that even if it's an accident, even if if you sneezed and touched it with your fingernail, it doesn't matter. If it touched any part of your arm from from the ruling now, the new rule is accident or no accident,
0: it's a handball. It's a handball. Yeah, and, and I also want to piggyback on this. So we talk on the show all the time about what constitutes clear and obvious, right? But there there is no clear and obvious in this scenario because it, it was a goal, and all goals have to be reviewed. It's in the laws of VR. They have to be reviewed. And like Chris said, the rule change now says that any handball, any contact, whether it's ball to hand, whether it's a blatant handball inside of the box, is a handball. And doesn't matter if it's for the offensive team or the defensive team, it is a handball. And the goal will be disallowed and they'll give a free kick. So it's interesting because... So I,
2: I have mixed feelings about if I agree with this or not. But not from a accuracy standpoint. So VAR was used correctly. The letter of the law was... If, if you look at how the law is written, it was the correct decision made on the field. But should the law be written that way? That's what I'm getting yeah. at. So the law, the way the law is written is from a defensive standpoint, it talks about silhouette and talks about if you expand your silhouette and in, there's intent there. So the letter of the law for for a defensive player to, to give up a foul or a penalty is a lot more lenient. It can hit your arm accidentally and maybe not be a penalty because it didn't expand your silhouette, or maybe it wasn't intentional, or maybe there wasn't a re- enough reaction time. When you look at the letter of the law, how it's written for an attacking player, any advantage that results in the ball hitting any arm of the att- of an, any attacking player in the attacking third is going to be chopped off. So anytime it hits an arm, an elbow, a hand, and, and it gives the players an advantage that leads into a goal... It's considered a handball.
0: From a bias perspective, I'll take it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool. From a I bias get. perspective, I wanted to go in. I don't like Tottenham. I think
0: the one that Liverpool got disallowed last year against City was over the goal line. But, like, alas, the rules of the game said that that's not a goal. So, whatever. Uh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I think. I don't know about what, that. Hey, hey, I, let, me, let, me, let me have it. Goal so line me me this one. Let me have this one. Okay. All right, guys. Moving on to the game of the weekend that I was most excited about. Of course, it was Chelsea after coming off of two losses against Manchester United and Liverpool, hosting Leicester City. And this one was a it was a pretty good game. So uh, things got started off early. Mason Mount, which, by the way, my prediction for Young Player of the Year, the, the guy to make the jump for Chelsea this year. So he's already looking good, already scoring goals for this Chelsea team. Uh, goal in the seventh minute for this Chelsea side. And then Leicester, the equalizer, from indeedy in the 67th minute and indeed he did score the equalizer and tie the game up so guys i just want to get your initial thoughts and then i want to tell you about a conversation i had in depth today with one of my good friends who's a chelsea fan and i want to get y'all's opinions on it but before i do that i want to open it up to you guys thoughts on this game
2: so it's very interesting and it's, it's funny because if you haven't looked at the interview afterwards with Ndidi, it's, he's almost beside himself. He's almost like in tears because he's so upset that he gave away the first goal and it didn't even matter that he scored the second goal. Yeah. Like he was super upset. But um, it's so interesting because this is so Chelsea as we know them so far. In the first 20 minutes, you could look at the first 20 minutes and say, this is going to be 3-0 Chelsea, no problem, hands-on, Very dominant performance, and life is good. You look at the last 30 minutes, and you're saying Leicester could score four goals easily. So this was a very entertaining game. It was so open at the end, but it was definitely Chelsea to start, and then they got lucky to hold on and get a point. So Leicester did well to claw their way back in the game. I thought Madison was excellent. Uh, What a
0: young English player. Very good. Got to look out for. Chelsea did not
2: do a good job. I think Lampard struggled tactically to get Jorginho or Conte to get you know, goal side of him and to mark him. He was finding open space. They were allowing him to turn and run at the center backs and to try to slip Vardy through. And if his service was a little bit better, better Jamie Vardy potentially would have had a couple goals in this one.
1: I agree with you with, with the first 20 minutes. You would have thought, oh my God, there's no way that we're ever going to lose another game. There's just no way. Just based on what I mean, even if it is a ten to nine score line, guess what? We scored ten. I mean, they they just look that good. Now, you look at the inexperience from the management and the youth. The talent is there, but yeah. those two things are the biggest problem for this team. So the biggest, because you can see that these young guys they couldn't adjust to the game. They couldn't adjust to the way that Leicester was was uh, changing the way that they were doing things. I mean, as Leicester got into the groove of their own style of play, Chelsea's youth had no idea what to do. They were lost, completely lost.
2: So, and, and credit to Brendan Rodgers. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers is an excellent manager, definitely overachieved with Liverpool back in the day. Excellent guy, did well <laughs> at Celtic. So my question to you guys is, is this a type of thing where, is this just, the new system hasn't been adapted yet and the players haven't figured out how Lampard wants them to play. Or is this the thing where Lampard just tactically just isn't there yet?
1: Five to eight games. And I had told you this right before we we were recording five to eight games. If Chelsea don't get it right, if they don't get the system down, I think that they're going to have a very, very tough season by eight to 10 games. If they don't have it, they'll probably be stuck in the middle of the table. They'll be knocked out in the Champions League pretty quickly if they do not get it, because this youth, they need a. This is a trial by fire, or what is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, trial, trial by, by fire. fire. I mean, but, uh, I mean uh, it, it is what it is, because they've never played in the Premier League. Yeah, but you have so many good young players no, There's as well. nothing wrong with the talent. The talent is there. But when it comes to them playing as a unit, it's not easy playing in the Premier League. So I actually have a lot of thoughts on this. Oh, yeah. And so I talked for about an hour
0: with my good friend Ben Hammonds today, Huge Chelsea fan. Shout out to him.
2: Uh, hey, Ben, if you're listening, set your fantasy lineup. Stop auto-drafting. We're going to kick you out of the league, man. Whatever.
0: That's <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> but uh, got to have a good conversation with the today. And him and I were talking about three main points with Chelsea. Uh, number one, and I think first and foremost, is if you look at the tactics that Chelsea plays. I'm not talking about squad selection. I'm talking about tactically the way they put their lineup in a 4-2-3-1. And... They do what Ben referred to, and I think it's spot on, as a selective press. Mm-hmm. So yep. they press the hell out of him for the first 30 minutes, which you could tell. And it looks like the Lampard system is, is built to score an early goal, right? Mm-hmm. They want to get on the scoreboard early because he feels like if they score an early goal, they're going to be able to come out and control the tempo of the game because the other team will have to chase the game. So that's the first thing we notice. And along with that, that is impossible to sustain for 90 minutes. Oh, you cannot press a team. And I know I'm a Liverpool fan and I'm biased, but they, the way they play is a masterclass on how to use the press effectively, right? So Chelsea, they're young, they're energetic, they go balls to the wall, press for the first 30 minutes, then they're out of gas. They cannot press anymore after that. And it's hard for this Chelsea team to, to do that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two their center backs are athletic, which is awesome because they're good in a pressing system. They're inexperienced, and they're not good one-on-one. So when you can't get the pressure up the field early from the high press, it forces your center backs to have to defend one-on-one because the line has been broken. That first initial press is not there anymore, so the center backs are going to get isolated in spots. And what I've noticed this year from Chelsea already Kurt Zuma is not at the level he needs to be for a top-level team. Um, And he's young. He's 23. I thought today
2: him and Vardy was a good matchup, and I thought he handled Vardy fairly well when he got into some difficult situations. For me, Christensen isn't... Zuma can hide a lot of his flaws based on his athleticism. Yeah. So when he's facing his own goal, he's going to be okay because he can beat Vardy in a sprint. Now, when he's facing Vardy and he has to break down and defend one v one, that's where he gets. He's on his heels. He's in trouble. But a lot of Leicester like to play Vardy in behind. So Zuma was okay. Christensen struggled because he can't run very well. But the biggest thing that drives me nuts with Chelsea is you give up a goal off a set piece because you want to do zonal marking. It was atrocious. It was just... You couldn't be bothered to defend. And I think it's a lot of inexperience and a lot of a lot of bad tactics from and, Lampard.
0: And that's what I'm saying, too. So, the inexperience of the center-back pairings is, is... So, I think you're missing Antonio Rudiger in there a lot. Yeah, big so time. So, injury, a yeah. better organizer than both those guys. And I honestly think... You're missing that leadership of David Luiz. Is David Luiz a better one-on-one defender than these guys are? Not necessarily. Is he a good organizer? Yeah, he's a great organizer. He can organize the team and he can... Good on the ball yeah, as well. come along these young center backs. And so that's the second point, which both of those things will improve with time. So the more you get into the season, the more fit you get and the easier it is for you to press for bigger portions of the game and you can choose more when to press, when not to press and you'll have that in-game fitness. Those center backs, the more they play together in the Premier League, they'll establish a partnership and the more experience they will get and the better they'll be. So my third point, and this is the biggest thing and I think this will define the Lampard era at Chelsea and it's a huge thing i i did not notice it until today and the biggest thing i notice is lampard's selection of the personnel in the central midfield is baffling to me yeah because what is ngolo Conte best at 6 well not position what what like skill wise what is he best at defending sitting in the middle yeah. sitting in, breaking up ground. plays yeah. tackles making making big he like the best american comparison I can make in in MLS is Diego Chara right yeah he runs around he breaks up play he's smart he's not going to break the lines very often when he's physical he's fit he knows when to tackle when to sit back all that so if he's best playing defensively in the center of the park as a six as a as a number six why on earth would you play him next to Jorginho a guy who is best when he sits in the center of the park and has time to dictate play from a deep-lying position. Which, if you have him on the field next to Conte, it asks Conte to be an attacking force and to drive the ball forward out of central midfield,
1: which is not what his strength is. You know, and it looked almost as if, because of that, it almost looked as as if Chelsea played a 4-1-1 3-1 3-1 because he sat in front of Jorginho most of the time. Yeah, and, and that's my thing too. And you, Travis talked about them not
0: getting pressure to James Madison in central midfield. I think that's part of the problem. When you have two guys that are both used to being that, that cleanup man in front of the back line, that number six, they don't understand that, hey, which one of us is supposed to press? Which one of us is supposed to step to the ball? Which one of us is supposed to sit? Do I think they can learn it because they're talented professional athletes? Yeah, I do. But... I think why ask a player who's already gifted in a role to learn a new way to play the game when you have Kovacic and Barkley on the bench that both are guys who are, who are number eights that can get forward, get in. So I think Mason Mount's a good guy to play at the 10. I think you have to have Kovacic and Barkley, either one of the two in there. And I think the Conte-Jorginho conundrum, I don't think it's one over the other. I don't think necessarily that it's a fix-all to say, all right, Conte's gonna play every single game he's available, Jorginho's gonna play every single game he's available. What I discussed with Ben today is if you're playing a team that is is pinning you back, they're playing fluid through midfield, they're keeping a lot of possession and they're an attacking team, right? And and they're they're putting a lot of pressure on you in the middle of the park, you play in Golo Conte because he can break up the play, he can chase the ball, he can win duels. All of that, he can do what you pay him to do. If you're playing against a team that's going to sit off and give your midfielder's time, Conte's ineffective because he's not going to pick out game-breaking line, breaking passes. So in games like that, you rest Conte, you sit him on the bench, you start Jorginho, he gets the ability to ping balls wide, to find Christian Pulisic in behind, and you get an opportunity to break the game open that way. And then you have options, right? So maybe you're chasing a game now, against a, an opposition that likes to keep the ball in central midfield. So you take Conte off, you put Jorginho on, and you ask him to break the lines with his passing and you take more risks. Same thing, maybe you're up against a team where they're letting you have more space in the midfield and now they're pressing you more because you're up and they need a goal. You sub Jorginho out, you put on Conte. There's room for both players in this system. Lampard just has to get more experience and find that balance. So I'd say this, Conte
2: is so good, he has to play. So, like, And he's so fit that resting Conte, I I think, can't be a thing for Chelsea because I agree with you. He's best at a six as a holding midfielder, but even as an eight, as a box-to-box player,
0: he's better than anybody else Chelsea has. I disagree with that, and and here's why. Because if you play him as an eight next to a mobile number six, he's great because the mobile number six sometimes will step out and vacate the space in front of the center backs. And Kante can do what he does best and switch back and do his natural role. If you play him with Jorginho, oftentimes they take up the same defensive positions. Right. And what happened, like what Chris says, is they'll stack on top of each other. Right. And there's so much space to get around to the sides. And it forces your center backs to defend one-on-one. So I agree. Conte's fit. But no matter how fit you are in the modern game, if you have to play 50 games in a season... You're going to get worn down. You're going to get injury prone because you're putting so much mileage on your legs. And why not, if you're a Chelsea fan and a Chelsea manager, extend the lifetime of Conte's career and his ability to cover ground at an elite level by giving him games off and plugging in Jorginho, not only to give Conte a break, but because it's a better tactical matchup against that side.
2: So I, my other solution would be Conte plays the six all the time. And I know you disagree with me. We've had this conversation before. But Jorginho is a very good passer of the ball. He's very good at dictating the pace. When when Chelsea gets in trouble is when Jorginho comes in deep as the six to pick up the ball. And he gets pressed. And when you man-mark Jorginho as the six is when Chelsea really struggles. Because they can't build out. They lose possession. He can't play the ten, though. But, but... I think he can play as a 10 because he can pass the ball extremely well. He can dictate the pace, higher up the field. If he loses it there, it's not going to be as, as much of a liability. And you can play the faster players like Pulisic wide to get forward.
0: That's my thing, too. Like, you can't just take a player who's an elite. He's like a Trey Cortese is what this player is called. So, like, right. like Xavi was this kind of player, right? You could not take Javi and say Xavi we're going to play you as a number 10 and we expect you to be as effective of a passer as you were to no, be a deep but, flyer but he, it's not that's not his role but he like, does the same but
2: i think chelsea would be successful if he does the same role just a little bit higher up the field and it'll it's a good balance because Pulisic, when he plays on the left doesn't stay wide he likes to come in almost like a number 10 so you create all this space underneath but you create an
0: overload in the midfield and also which is okay for chelsea i think it it, it Muddles up runs. Chel- Pulisic's best when he gets chalk on his boots and goes wide. And then, but he doesn't like to an, do that. It's though. an. At, well, he makes a lot of out to in runs. Yeah, yeah. He starts, so he wide, starts wide and comes wide and across the back four. Yeah. So you play Jorginho farther forward. He's good at picking out the right pass and the smart pass when he's deeper because he has more time. If you put him as a number ten, he's not a guy that's good at combining quickly, which is what a number ten is supposed to be good at. They're supposed to play line breaking passes and they're supposed to be a metronome. They're supposed to circulate the ball, play quickly, one, two-touch passes to keep it going. Jorginho is best when he has time. He's not a good player at connecting one, two-touch passes. He's better when he has time, which is why I think in in this Chelsea setup, if you play against your Southamptons or your Bournemouths or your Norwich cities that are going to sit compact behind the ball – He will be a good guy to play at the six because he'll have time and space on the ball and he can pick out whatever right pass he wants because there is not a player in the Premier League that is better at hitting a long ball on point than Jorginho is.
2: I I think Kevin De Bruyne might have something to say about that, but I, but I, I don't disagree with you per se, but here's the thing. Every single team, we saw it last year, starting with the Tottenham game when Tottenham, Deli Alley man marked Jorginho and Tottenham annihilated Chelsea. So every single team moving forward said, if Jorginho is going to play the six mm-hmm. and we man mark Jorginho, we will so, win the ball, we'll win the game.
0: I'm not talking about playing him against the top four opposition. Right, but eventually, even the top four through 10 can still do that. They're that good. So maybe he doesn't play against four through 10. That's what I'm saying, yeah. is like. Would it be more beneficial to have Conte shield a back line when there's no pressure and you ask him to be the Jorginho role and break the lines with his passing from deep? Or, when you're playing against Newcastle at home, would you rather have a guy that can break the lines and risk a little bit of that defensive presence because you know that he's going to be able to break the game open and you know that Newcastle's coming into your stadium looking for a nil-nil draw? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: so... Go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, I was going to say Mason Mount doesn't score that and he doesn't make a mistake, we lose because it was just that bad after about 20 minutes. Yeah,
0: yeah. I
2: agree. I mean, credit for Mason Mount. And yeah, he was, but he still. Was, he was asked after in the, in the press conference. He said, you know, oh, you know, was that your idea to press like that or is that Lampard's system? He said, no, it's Lampard's system. That's how he wants us to play the game. Yeah, but He pressed at the right moment and he didn't know he was
1: there. He picked the yeah, ball and finished I, nicely. I, I, I get that, but he doesn't make the mistake. It's a different story. Yeah, but we, you, we lose you, the game. We drop points. You your own look. I think yeah, you got to give that.
2: you got to give Chelsea credit for that. And and there are a lot of chances they could have finished. Um, oh, of course, there was I, a lot. I I mean, and this may be a topic for another day, but we have to talk about Drew versus versus Tammy Abrams because I think Tammy Tammy and Batshuayi too. Yeah, but he hasn't even gotten a sniff. I think Tammy Abrams is going to be legit in about three or maybe two years. Yeah,
0: and and we'll see about that, guys. I hate to cut off our Chelsea talk because it's some good discussion here, but we got to move on. Uh, There was a lot more action this weekend. Of course, we had two leagues kick off, so we're going to start out in Spain with La Liga. We're going to run through some scores here real quick. So, Celta Vigo losing 3-1 to Real Madrid. Big story in this one. Gareth Bale in the starting lineup. And it looks like he's going to be there to stay. I think uh, what won out here is the fact that Real Madrid understands that they need him on the field if they're going to be successful this year. Look, you,
2: for all the talk about Gareth Bale wanting out and Gareth Bale's not fit and Gareth Bale, you know, plays golf too much and da, da da da. Look, the reality of the situation is there was pressure to play him. He's fit. He looked really, really good. He's a quality player. You have to play him. He he's been excellent. Hazard is injured. I think there's no no way in the world that a fit Gareth Bale doesn't get in this eleven.
0: Yeah, fair enough. We go down next. Valencia one one against Sociedad. Mallorca 2-1 against Ibar. Leganes dropping their home opener against Osasuna. Villarreal 4, Granada 4, goal fest in that one.
1: Great game. Great, really, really (laughs) great great game. Great, great game.
0: Alaves 1, Levante 0, Espanyol again dropping their home opener to Sevilla. 2-0 Sevilla in that one. Betis losing to Valladolid. And Atletico Madrid beating Getafe 1-0. So before we move on to the marquee game of the weekend, I just wanted you guys to know that there was one big trend in La Liga this weekend. Uh, does anyone want to guess what that was? What was it's it? stumped, guys. Yeah. I, I'm a little stumped. What's six the trend? Six red cards in the opening
1: weekend. Really?
2: Six. I would have yeah. never guessed. I would have guessed something red. stupid about
0: possession or
2: something no, like that. No, six
1: red. Oh yeah, the <laughs> last, yeah, the last game, the Atletico Madrid and Getafe game, mm-hmm. two.
0: Yeah, one yeah. for each team.
1: Yep. <laughs> Yeah, the Real Madrid Nuts. game won. So yeah.
0: it's, it's going to be fiery this year. So, guys, of course, the game I really, really want to talk about was Chelsea's opener. Or not Chelsea, excuse I me. Mean, I'm still on the Chelsea You're still train, on sorry. Chelsea. <laughs> All right, Jorginho. Chelsea on the mind. But Barcelona's opener. Uh, of course, they went away to Atletico Bilbao. And for the first time <laughs> in as long as I can remember, Barcelona dropped their, their opener one nail to Atletico Bilbao with a... Bicycle kick from 38-year-old Aduriz what
2: in the 89th minute. His first touch.
0: What? His first
2: touch. He's what first a
0: Yeah, And a Bill Battle legend. And the cool thing about this is there's only one other team in the world that I know that does this, and that's Chivas de Guadalajara. So Chivas will only sign Mexican players. Yep. They will not sign anybody that lives outside Mexico, that or that is not a, a Mexican national team, not, not a Mexican citizen, which I think is really cool. Bilbao takes it a step further. Not only do they not sign anyone that is not a Spanish citizen, they will not sign a player that does not at least have roots in Bilbao. They will not sign anybody at all that does not have roots in Bilbao. So their striker, Inaki Williams, he is Spanish, but he has roots from uh, parts of Africa. So his parents are, are both African. And so he's got a lot of different background but he has gained a starting spot already this year for Bilbao and the fact that Bilbao has never had a player play for them that has not had a roots in that part of Spain is incredible to me and the fact that they've been competitive
1: well the nice thing is is uh like you said they were very competitive even though they their club does business a certain way but the the one thing that really kind of blows my mind is that they held off barcelona for the entire game i mean up until like the 89th minutes when they scored they held them off yeah then the, the cool the best part was is that they only they only had two shots on target that was it two shots on target the entire game which is something really difficult to do against a, a team like barcelona so hats off to them i, I really like that loss
2: so as much as we want to talk about atletico bilbao and and how great they are and how good of a goal that was this is more telling about barcelona so a couple things here First off, as much as I hate the guy, Busquets has got to play. Busquets was not in the 11, um, and that was definitely very telling. They're, they're trying to figure out who's going to be in that midfield. Rakitic um, is, is struggling. De Jong playing deeper is not very good. They want him higher to play more of an eight, more of a box-to-box yeah. role. They want him to run. And then the other thing, so obviously no Leo Messi, which is a huge deal. But Luis Suarez picks up an injury early in this one. And without Luis Suarez, without Messi, you kind of look and say, okay, who's going to play center forward? And Griezmann can't do it. Griezmann cannot play an out-and-out nine. He's more of a wide player, maybe a 10 at times, but he cannot play as the nine. So if Suarez is going to be hurt and Messi kind of getting up there in age, you kind of look at this team. They don't really have that many options at center forward. Even Messi playing center forward is not ideal. So I think if unless Suarez stays healthy and, and is producing like the swars of old, they're gonna really struggle.
0: Yeah, and and I think the thing about Griezmann is is he's not an out and out number nine, but he can fill a, he can do a job for you there if he's got a supporting cast around him that will help him get in amongst the goals. So I think Rakitic starting on the bench for this one was very very telling because of course Alenia, their new signing, came in and started this match. I think Rakitic, you might see him go to PSG. Uh, for, for Neymar and get that deal done over there, and Neymar might jump right into this Barcelona starting 11. And I completely agree with you about Busquets. I think their best midfield three is De Jong, Busquets, and Sergio Roberto. I think if they have those three in the midfield, of course, Nelson Semedo at right back. It would look good, too. I also wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Samuel Umtiti leave Barcelona as well because he did not start in this one. He's going to be very, very unhappy with the amount of playing time he's getting, because it looks like Longley is the preferred starter next to PK.
2: I don't get that, man. Because I think that I mean they haven't looked good, and, and I think PK, def- from a tempo standpoint, from a possession standpoint, he's very good, which is what they want. But I think one v one, he's a liability.
1: Do you guys think that Valverde put out a weaker squad, thinking that he was going to beat no, just, no, just beat them? Because I, I mean, I think it, this, this was his first choice eleven.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I,
1: obviously, Messi is you guys. Like you guys said, uh, you know you have players like uh, Rakitic that didn't start. Why? You have a guy that's available because he's past it. Because I, I don't, I, understand I don't that. think
0: he's first choice right now. He's past it. I don't, I don't, and I think Busquets for whatever reason didn't start this one. I think that's the only change that I might have made is starting Sergio Busquets over Alenia, But Busquets might be carrying an injury or something like that. We don't know, but I, I think that Rakitic because. Busquets didn't even feature in this one, which which is telling to me, but Rakitic came off the bench, which means he's fit. You know that he can play. I just don't think he's first choice anymore. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this Barcelona team. I definitely think there's a lot more tweaking that needs to be done. I don't think Valverde knows exactly what his best 11 is. I think he put out what he thought was his best available 11 for this game, but... I think moving forward, you're going to see a bunch of guys in different positions, maybe new formations. I also, if they get Neymar, I wouldn't be surprised to see them play a 4-2-3-1 with Messi in there as a as a legit old school number 10, kind of trying to break the lines with his passing, maybe a little bit more of a goal scoring threat as well with De Jong and Busquets in behind him. But I don't know. And I, I don't think Valverde knows. And that's the scary part for this Barcelona team.
2: Yeah, I think they're definitely up against it. I think that Zidane is starting to figure it out. I think uh, with Atletico Madrid figuring it out, this could be a year where Barcelona find themselves on the outside looking in in terms of a title race and at Champions League. Oh, in third? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know about that much, but I mean, I don't. I I just I don't see them
0: winning the title. I don't. I don't either. And that's nope. that's my my question for you guys. My follow up question is: We we've seen one game in La Liga. We've seen preseason. If you had to put money on one team right now to win the league, who would it be?
2: See, my, my heart really wants to say Atleti. Atletico Madrid, but I just, I don't think they're going to be consistent
0: enough. Okay. I,
2: I honestly think that Real Madrid finds a way. I okay. think it's going to be Real Madrid. So, Real Madrid's your
0: pick? Yeah. Atleti. Atleti's my pick, too. I just don't because think... Because... I would love that. I Th- love Atleti. Thomas Lamar and Jao Felix on the wing take this team to yep. the next level. Yep. And if they can keep Saul and Coke rested and healthy this season... I think they'll be good. I think the only weakness on this team is is across the back line. I think they need one more center back or they need their their center backs right now, their young guys to kind of step up. They have Jimenez still and he he's still really, really good, but they need a guy next to him, maybe Savage, to step up and play yeah. a little bit better. And then they their left back situation is a question mark. Yeah. Is is Versalco gonna come, Versalico gonna come and play that left back? He's a natural right back, are they gonna give it to their academy kid that's been starting all preseason? I don't know. I think that that's a big spot that's up for grabs. But of course, Morata and Diego Costa up front—it's always going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, and obviously they have to replace the presence of Godín leaving. Yeah, um, that's going to be a tough one. But I mean, Jao yeah. Felix is is as good as we thought he would yeah. be, or hoped he would be. I think we had some doubts, but he's been very. Whoa, whoa, whoa!
1: Good. You were the, yeah, the, the only one. You were the only one. Come on. on! No, no, no! I look. I think. You were just talking about the price. D-
2: you, l- 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 I, there was no doubt he's good, but. I, I think it's very rare for someone to look and say, okay, someone that's worth 120 million euros as a 19-year-old kid is... Uh,
0: Mbappe?
2: Mbappe's different level. Mbappe is like one of... The, I think Mbappe's Jao the Felix top. is
0: going to get close, though. Yeah.
2: yeah, no, I don't disagree with you, but I'm saying like Mbappe had... When, when Mbappe went for that money, he was already established as one of the world's best. It was Jao Felix has played one year of competitive football at a high level. So, but the kid looks legit.
0: Yeah, and I and I really really like a last point on this before we move on. I really really like the fact that they're playing him as a wide midfielder. Yeah. I think he's really really gifted at on the ball. He's really really gifted as a passer. I think he puts in a lot of work defensively as well. So I think that's a good... I don't think long-term that'll be the spot for him as he ages, but I think this season it's a good place to put him on the field.
2: Yeah, he he runs and he's young, and Simeone is trying
0: to teach him to defend, which is good. Yeah, that's good tactics. So, uh, yeah, guys, we're going to move forward a little bit here now as well. The last league that I wanted to talk to you guys about. So we're going to jump in with the Bundesliga. So Bundesliga action kicked off this Weekend, we'll start uh, SC Freiburg winning 3-0 against Mainz. Borussia Dortmund kicking the ever-loving snot out of Augsburg. It was a 5-1 win for them, and they look like real title contenders here.
2: That's big for them because they went down 1-0, uh-huh. and the response was
0: excellent. And Jaden Sancho was unbelievable. He's amazing. Also, favorites this year to do something big. Wolfsburg winning 2-1 over over Köln. Bayer Leverkusen, 3-2 over Paderborn. Of course, that's without their star midfielder Julian Brandt, who just went to Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, Paderborn, Kyrie Shelton
2: making the 18 for that one. Yeah,
0: shout out to Austin born player Kyrie Shelton there. Did
2: not feature. Hopefully he starts to, you know, make a bigger impact, but but good good things in the preseason, and we hope he he you know kind of improves as the season goes on
0: yeah tough home opener loss to Werder Bremen of course they lose to Fortuna Dusseldorf 3-1 sorry Josh Sargent and the lads nil-nil draw Gladbach and Schalke so West it's the Weston McKenney versus Fabian Johnson game there which by the way in preseason a couple times Weston McKenney did don the captain's ban for Schalke so it shows that David Wagner who is a dual American German national coach Views him as, as a as a key player for the side. So a lot to keep your eye on. Eintracht Frankfurt continuing their good form from last year, beating Hoffenheim 1-0. And of course, Tyler Adams and RB Leipzig coming in away at Union Berlin and winning 4-0 there. So guys, big action there. The big thing I wanted to talk to you guys about was the first game of the weekend. And Bayern Munich hosted Hertha Berlin and it ended as a 2-2 draw. So you can't argue that Byron played their second choice 11. They played their, their core attacking group of players. You, you had Benjamin Pavard step into the back line over recently transferred Mount Hummels, and that's the only change pretty much they made as far as new uh, recruits. They started Serge Nabry and Kingsley Coman on the wings, which are two guys that they brought in last year to kind of flip with the minutes of the aging Robin and Ribery. But my question for you guys is, What's going on with this Bayern team? Do you think this is an anomaly? Do you think that's a slow start, or do you think that there's trouble in paradise?
2: There's definitely trouble in paradise. This wasn't really their second eleven. This is like this is sadly like most of their eleven.
1: Yeah, this is what they have. This is yeah. I mean, this is it.
2: You're looking at they are banking so hard on um, Kingsley Coleman and Serge Avery to be the guys, and I just don't think they're ready at that elite level. And you're talking, like, you can't be surprised. You lost two, uh, give it aging stars, but you lost two guys that were World eleven players at some point, and you didn't replace them. You didn't spend the money. They you, should have
1: replaced them years ago.
2: You didn't spend the money. You didn't go out. You didn't buy the players. You didn't buy Timo Werner. You didn't buy Sané when he was healthy, and you let him yeah, be with City. And I'm
0: going to give him a hall pass on that one. Because they, they, they were working to get a deal done. They didn't want to pay the money. They, they, okay, it, it's a business tactic. They want, to ne- yeah. they want to negotiate down the price, but they cannot control the fact that he tore his ACL.
2: Right, but you didn't pull the trigger. You didn't pull the trigger on Timo Werner either. Timo Werner even came out and said, I want to play for Bayern Munich. Didn't get it done. So, Dorman, on the other hand, spent a ton of money in the offseason. They bought a lot of very good players. Matt
0: Hummels, Nico Schultz, Torgen Hazard, Julian Brandt, all these guys coming in. They
2: bought a lot of players. To add to their existing squad, that was very good. Bayern Munich didn't get better in the offseason. They signed Bavard, they fi- signed uh, Lucas Hernandez, some good defenders but not really world beaters and you're you're like they're expected to win the league. I just don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, if you're a player and you have all these options out there right now, is Bayern Munich even an option? I mean, just um, looking at the look hold on, looking at the squad and knowing that they're not going to compete against the the best teams in the world and you know on the Champions League level and I'm not talking about them not playing in the Champions League I'm just talking about the fact that if you compared the squads that are out there right now you would think wow Bayern does not have a chance on the European stage
0: I vehemently disagree with that what? I'm with Mason
1: you look at Bayern Munich they uh, hold on okay perennial so
0: powerhouse they have one of the best goalkeepers in the world still in Manu Neuer. okay. Their back line is probably top three in the world. Okay. Okay. They're center midfielders. So, Tiago Al- Alcantara is one of the best center midfielders in, in the world. The the kid is amazing, right? Really, really good technical holding midfielder. You've got Javi Martinez, who's no slouch, but he he protects the back line pretty well. You have Robert Lewandowski, who had both goals in this game. He's one of the top goal scorers in Europe over the past couple seasons. Yep.
2: Probably the top five to three forwards in the entire world. Exactly. The
0: only place this team lacks is on the wings because Tomas Muller plays as a 10 and they just brought in, which we'll talk about here in a minute. They just brought in Felipe Coutinho to play the number 10 role, which is an upgrade. I think to Tomas Muller, because he's more of a creative player. He's more like James who they lost back to Real Madrid in the off season. But the only place this team is lacking is on the wing. And so if I'm a world-class winger, on a team that I know for a fact is not going to win the Champions League. I look at Bayern Munich and I say, the spine is there. I want to go make a mark and win the Champions League. So I, if I am a winger, want to come and play in this league, play for this team and try and take this core group of players and win the Champions League. They have Leon Goretzka as well that plays in center midfielder. Renato Sanchez is really good. Their back line probably has the best depth in Europe right now, they have Lucas Hernandez, who could start. They have Jerome Boateng, who could be a starter as well. Um, you have Fula, Alf- yeah. You have Alfonso Davies, who's one of the best up-and-coming young players who lit it up in preseason as well for them. So I think that this Bayern Munich team, the only thing they're missing are two world-class wingers. That's it.
2: I think if they would have signed Timo Werner and a healthy Leroy Sané in the offseason... They're a favorite. They're to the favorite Champions to win League. the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. A favorite. No, I spot on. I agree. And also, you look at it's it's a club that has been great forever, and and you even have players. You have the captain uh, Thomas, uh, or I'm sorry, um, Neuer, Manuel Neuer, the goalkeeper coming out in an interview in the United States and they're doing preseason, saying we're we're two to three signings away from being a Champions favorite, Champions League winning favorite. So. But I agree. I think the back line's aging a little bit, so I don't think they're they're as which is maybe- why they
0: brought in well, well, right? But well, uh, I don't. I disagree with that. So uh, Boateng is a little past it. So Boateng doesn't start anymore, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Pavard, who's 21, right? Sula, who's 23, right? Alaba, who's 27, Kimmich and then who's Kimmich, like 23. Who's, who's 24. Yeah, and that's your back four. That that's a solid young core of defenders. Your oldest defender is 28 years old. Yeah,
2: So and, and, and I, I still think that Manuel Noir is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Obviously, he had that injury not far uh, ago. But, yeah, they're two wingers away from being my pick to win the Champions League, in all honesty. But they just, Avery's not there. Coleman is not there. King, Kingsley Coleman is one ankle injury away from being done with soccer forever. He's already come out in the press last year and said, if I get injured one more time, I'm done. I'm gonna retire, and he's what, 24, 23?
0: Yeah. So I, I I agree, and I think that they they tried to go out and get too big a fish during the window. I think they put all of their their money in one hat, like they they put all of all of their 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 eggs in one basket, right? They they wanted Sane and Werner. and those are the only two players they wanted. They didn't. And collect. guess what? <laughs> they didn't get either of them, and so there was no Plan B. And they did not upgrade in a spot that they desperately needed to. And so now their season is going to go from a Champions League challenger to probably second to third place in the Bundesliga, depending on how RB Leipzig does.
2: The Leroy Sonny thing just baffles me because that was such a home run. It's a player that is an unbelievable player. He's a German national. He's loved by the nation. Um, And he would have come in instantly and given you 20 goals. I just don't get it.
0: Yeah, so the last thing I wanted to talk to you guys about real quick is so Felipe Coutinho signs a one-year loan deal with an option to buy for for Bayern Munich from Barcelona. Of course, he rejected a loan move to Tottenham, so we, we obviously know that he wants to be at Bayern uh, at least a little bit. Um, does this, well, number one, is this a good move for Coutinho? And number two, does this make Bayern Munich a better team?
2: Yes and yes. Look, Any move for Coutinho is a good move for Coutinho. I I, I don't care if if Barcelona right now had to pick between their 18-year-old from the academy playing on the left wing or Coutinho, it'd be the 18-year-old from the academy. They are
0: just dead set. Coutinho is not going to play for us. And look, and, and that's the thing too about Barcelona. They signed a player because he was a good player, thinking he could improve their team, not realizing, and this is Barca, they have so much money that they don't have to hit on every player they get. Coutinho is at his best when he is a bona fide out-and-out number 10. You play him on the wing, you lose some of of his skill. You lose some of his vision and creativity. You play him in center midfield, you lose some of the defensive responsibilities you want from a center midfielder. So I think at Bayern, he's going to get to play his preferred position and it's only going to make his stock rise. So where's Muller going to play? Wide? On the bench. No,
2: (laughs) stop it. I think you have to play him at least wide.
0: He could play wide, but think about Thomas Mueller, right? So... That's another thing that I, – I, it's always baffled me, him being at Bayern Munich for so long, because Bayern Munich has always been predominantly a 4-2-3-1 team. Is Thomas Müller an attacking midfielder? No. Is Thomas Müller a winger? No. He's, he's, he's a, a second center forward. forward yeah. He's a second forward, right? So he would kill it. If you took Thomas Müller today and said, hey, we're going to trade you or transfer you to Atletico Madrid – you're going to play up top with Diego Costa, he would kill it. He would destroy that league because he's got a striker to work off of, and that's where he's at his best. With With Germany, that's where he's always been his best, when he can work off another number nine. And he looks
2: out of place as a 10, and he's not mobile yeah, enough Because he's to not creative
0: why. right? as a 10. But he's a good finisher. He's a great finisher. He gets himself in good positions. He makes good runs, but you lack creativity, which is why he looked so good as a 10 when Arjen Robben was there, because Arjen Robben was a wide creator. He would cut in, create passes, ribbery, cut in, create passes, create plays, moments of brilliance to where Muller, so his sole responsibility was making the late run and scoring goals. But now that they don't have that player on the team from the wing and Coutinho not going to be that player on the wing. I don't see how Muller on the wing is an upgrade to either Nabry or Coman. I think that he doesn't provide the, the pace in behind that is going to be necessary for Coutinho because that's what Coutinho's best at. He's better so getting the ball at his feet, either having a rip from distance or playing those diagonal through balls to the wingers that are running at the back line with pace and they're running out to end runs and then they can square the ball across. Boom, tapping for Lewandowski.
2: Well, we'll see. I think Byron gets better with Coutinho coming. I, I don't think they're going to use him. I mean, he doesn't, for me, he doesn't necessarily fit the system because you you really need a winger. I think he might be better than Mula at the ten, but it's kind of then Mula's on the outs, and then you have a kind of a club legend that's unhappy. Like it's just a weird fit for me, and and I just I don't know, man. I I I don't think Barcelona is going to get the money they want for him, and they should have just tried to get rid of him. But now he's on loan in Germany, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, guys, I think that's a a lot to keep our eyes on all over the world. So. Uh, again, thank you guys for listening to our show. That's all the time that we have for this episode. Shout out again to Sincerely Yours Music for all the killer tunes. Of course, his new release drops on October 1st, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, thank you guys for all of the support and visiting our website, box We love that you guys are going to our site and hitting us up on social media as well. Thanks again for all of our listeners out there. We know uh, we wouldn't be able to do this show without you guys. We wouldn't be able to be where we are. We wouldn't be able to watch as much soccer if we didn't have you guys to, to talk to about it. So thank you for your input. Thank you for your support. And we hope you guys have a great Monday. And uh, I just want to let you guys know this Wednesday's Away Leg, uh, I think we're going to get pretty heated. So y'all stay tuned for that.